Welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast, where we explore the intersection of Bitcoin and progressive issues. I'm your host, Mark Stefani. It's the top of the hour. We'll go ahead and get started. So, Abe, again, thank you so much for joining me on this Twitter Spaces. Uh, your episode that we, we recorded for the Progressive Bitcoiner actually has uh, some of the highest uh, number of listeners of, of all the episodes that I've done. And so clearly what you have to say in the space uh, is, is deeply respected. And so, again, I thank you for your time and uh, ability to share again with our people tuning into spaces uh, about uh, your background. So thank you. No, it's no problem at all. So, um, I said, it's my pleasure to talk about this kind of stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's why I'm here. Um, so yeah, let's uh, thank you for having me back and hello everyone and hello to all your listeners. Thank you. So for those uh, the people that are tuning in, why don't, who have not listened to the episode, uh, if you don't mind, give us a uh, bit of a background with regard to your professional and academic uh, history, that'd be great, as well as how that transitioned to the Sun Exchange. Okay, cool. Well, um, I guess if I wanna, without going back too too far back in, in my life, the um, my, my academic background is uh, I actually studied physical geography uh, back at uh, my undergrad. Um, and I, I really took an interest and ended up specializing in paleoclimatology, um, i.e. The, the, the study of, of very old Climatic systems of the planet that you know the work over the course of eons and how the and how the planets uh, the Earth's climate has changed, um, you know over the you know, billions of years, and I found it very fascinating. Um, and then when you start looking at how human activity in a very short space of time is uh, disrupting or causing uncontrolled, we are basically we are conducting uncontrolled experiments on on systems which we're only just beginning to understand how they interact. Um, was a, a cause of, of concern for me um, amongst other people in the world. Um, so I ended up applying to do a, a master's of science degree studying the science of climate change at University of East Anglia in the UK uh, back in 2007, uh, which I did under a scholarship from the National Environmental Research Council. Um, after about the first term, you know, semester, to put it into American, um, uh, of studying the science of climate change, I realised that actually it's kind of pointless um, studying uh, to increase our precision of, of understanding an issue which is obviously uh, f- profound and, and extremely uh, hazardous to human survival. Um, so I ended up specialising in uh, or doing further studies into environmental impact assessment and environmental management systems i.e how can we make businesses less harmful to the environment um and as i got into those topics i realized that it's energy use that is the impact of the environment so let alone waste management or water consumption it's it's energy um consumption which is the biggest impact to environments um of all business and organizations and in as individuals as well i mean everything fundamentally breaks down to energy. So I ended up doing um, uh, my dissertation to do a feasibility study to, to, to solar power a hospital in the UK back in 2007. And um, it, it, the results of that study were that solar powering a hospital in England, of all places, was about to become commercially viable. Um, and this was before there were any real subsidies in place in the UK. So I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, this is definitely the future. 
Um, I'm going to hand my studies in early, get it all done out of the way. And I went and got a job as a solar panel installer in 2008 in the UK. Um, the first thing I ever did in the solar energy industry was um, strip a roof of concrete tiles and, and, and install a solar tile system. You know, the, the product that you know, Tesla announced or released a couple of years ago, I was installing 14 years ago. Um, to put in perspective of like how far in advance of the solar solar industry this this was at the time. Um, and um, I set up a solar installation company, which I ran for about four or five years. I set it up as a workers' co-op, a cooperative. Um, and by nature of setting up a cooperative business, there's a certain amount of um, of, uh, of ethics and philosophy around cooperative businesses, which um, I still hold very dear. Um, and in some respects are, are very um, carrying the same principles that, that cryptocurrency carry. Um, so open membership and economic participation, um, maybe not so akin to Bitcoin, but you know, concern for the community um, and, and education are all very key, key features of, of a cooperative business model. Um, and running a solar installation company as a cooperative, you tended to be gravitated towards cooperative financing structures for solar projects. Um, so we we championed a project called Streets of Solar um, in the city of Bristol in the UK. And this is in a very uh, um, underprivileged area of the city of Bristol. And there were streets of, of houses that would never be able to afford solar panels for their homes unless it was done as a community cooperative where the individuals that can afford to participate in those projects can put money into a cooperative, which then pays for the solar project, solar panels to be installed on the houses. And the houses then benefit from lower cost energy um, and um, the revenues that the solar panels produce are returned to the cooperative members. Now, we did this a few times in the UK. It's one of the most common ways for solar projects to actually get funded, especially in Germany. Um, the majority of solar projects, in fact, are funded as cooperatives, um, but they are quite bureaucratic and they're quite time consuming to set up. But that's how the kind of projects that we're, we're going to involve with. Now, I, all along, bearing in mind, this is 2009 now, um, you know, Bitcoin is there. Um, yeah, we're at the height of, of the global recession or the very beginnings of, of what was then a major global recession and, and Bitcoin had started. And I'm following this technology in parallel to watching the, the solar sector unfurl itself um, and evolve, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And I was following Bitcoin technology and the, the price of Bitcoin. Um, but it wasn't until I moved to South Africa um, where these two interests of mine uh, came into being. Now, um, I moved to South Africa in 2014. Uh, to work as a solar energy consultant because I, I realized that the future for the solar energy industry is not in the UK. Let's get that clear. That, like Solar panels in the UK are not the most effective. Yes, energy costs are very high, so economically it does work, but really from a kind of an environmental perspective and just practically solar panels need to be going where there is lots of sun. Um, and South Africa I, drew me in. I was very much drawn to South Africa um, but it was entirely it was entirely by accident that I ended up being here. But once I was here, I felt like this is the place for me to be. Um, as I flew into South Africa the first time, I looked out the window of the plane and I saw no solar panels on the roofs, zero. And this is a country that's being basked in sunshine with a, a decrepit, falling apart coal-powered energy grid 
Um, and yet there was no solar panels on the roofs. And I'm coming into the country to work as a solar energy consultant. So something was amiss, um, I noticed as I was coming in. Um, and um, after just a, literally a couple of months, I realized that what was going on in South Africa is that there was no finance available. There was no uh, financial products available to enable schools and factories and retirement homes to go solar. And the industry was so immature and um, that lenders were not really looking to lend money into what's a fairly non-existent market and industry. And the government of South Africa, the least of their concerns is subsidizing clean energy when there's 70% youth unemployment and um, HIV pandemics uh, or endemics, um, uh, you know, sort of crime, you know, serious social issues that subsidizing clean energy is the least of their concerns. Um, or one of the one of the lower priorities anyway, at least at the time, bear in mind, 2014. Um, so um, the other thing that I noticed from arriving in South Africa is the, the payments systems, like the banking systems are pretty advanced for Africa, but archaic when it comes to uh, sort of retail, uh, retail banking. Um, and so to put this into perspective, I wanted to send a payment back to the UK from South Africa, and I literally had to fill in forms with pen and paper and then queue up on my lunch break to hand this form to the over to the counter which they then entered into a computer um, and then had to send money overseas took about five days um, and I realized at that point that this is what Bitcoin was created for was to be able to send payments overseas quickly and instantly so I did an experiment with my with my friend who was living in London who had been he was actually programming in bitcoin back in the early days um and um i, did, I bought my first um bitcoin uh, fractions of bitcoins probably like a maybe 0.1 bitcoin at the time um and um and sent it to my friend uh and and, and he sent it back to me it arrived back in my wallet 20 minutes later almost almost the exact same amount i sent and i was like holy smokes so i was gonna say something worse than holy smokes this is um an amazing technology i mean how how that's incredible is that i can send a payment from one side of the planet to the other instantly from one wallet to another like sending an email that is an incredible technology um and then then after like a, a few just a few weeks of pondering this like the penny dropped that by by combining this global peer-to-peer -peer payment system with the concept of, of remote ownership of solar panels, you can now solve this issue of people around the world wanting to own solar panels and wanting to invest into solar, but not necessarily being able to do so if they don't own their own home um, or don't necessarily know what, what company to invest in the stock market in the solar industry. They can now just buy solar panels online and lease them to a solar project on the other side of the world. And Bitcoin is the financial system that enabled that, and uh, and that was the that was the kind of the 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 the, the catalyst, the the first spark of, of realizing what the Sun Exchange could be, um, and that brings us to uh, September October 2014. So that gives you the background in Sun Exchange, and that gives you my academic background, and that was a very long answer, and uh, I hope that was interesting. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it is, and I appreciate you sharing that. So walk us through how Sun Exchange works. And I'm also kind of curious to know, had there been iterations of the user end process 
uh, over the years and, and how has that evolved uh, to what it is now? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, the very first idea I had of Sun Exchange was was around some kind of peer-to-peer lending model. Um, but that wasn't going to work because of the, the myriad of complicated different uh, financial regulations that are around lending and loans and financial structures and financial services, et cetera. So I had to find a model that wasn't really a financial product um, that was just around actual direct ownership of solar panels. Um, so the first project I actually did in South Africa was our pilot project back in 2016. I did actually, having said all that about cooperatives and how archaic they are and slow, I actually did that as a cooperative. So I did the first project as a solar a cooperative called the Stellenbosch Waldorf School Cooperative. But nevertheless, even though it was structured as a cooperative, um, it, w- it was still the project where the world's first, or at least I've yet to find anyone dispute this claim, that it was the first time that Bitcoin had ever been invested into solar panels. Um, and uh, so the, the genesis block of what I'd like to call the, the, you know, the, the tipping point of the silicon, the silicon age, you know, solar-powered money, um, as I'd like to call it. And I can go into more detail around Know, the, the kind of the macro view of what that looks like, um, but that was the first time that Bitcoin had invested into, into a solar project, um, and the first time that Bitcoin had ever been earned from generating solar power, and that was in March 2016. Um, that was done when the Sun Exchange website was literally just a holding page for a PDF document, which people filled in and sent back to me, um, and um, that was like the first iteration. That was literally our minimum viable product. Uh, which is proving that individuals around the world want to basically earn Bitcoin from solar powering schools in in Africa. Um, that, that MVP I submitted to the consensus conference, um, which is I think is run by CoinDesk. Um, they they allowed me to present on stage in Manhattan in around May 2016 to show what I'd done, um, and it picked up the attention of um, Adam Draper. Uh, from Boost VC um, in San Mateo, California, um, and he invited me to come down to to, to San Francisco and 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 pitch to him on their pitch podcast called Pitch FM. So I did that. <laughs> so it's funny how one thing leads to another. Uh, and then uh, so I, I pitched to him. I gave him a sixty second pitch. Uh, I walked out of the room. They discuss the pitch they just heard, and you walk back in, and they tell you if they've invested or not. They like a, a mini mini Shark Tank or Dragon's Den if you're in the in, in the UK. Um, and um, uh, and uh, it turns out that they they did they wanted to invest sixty thousand dollars into Sun Exchange to get it catalyzed because it's just the perfect use case of Bitcoin in their exact words. And it was actually the first company they'd ever agreed to to invest into um, on Pitch FM. So that's another accolade to to to, to Sun Exchange's history. Um, and um, and that 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 initial money allowed me to actually then. Re- nailed down what the model could be and I got lawyers legal advice on how the structure could be about micro ownership and deed of title over an asset um, and I started to build a team around me and um, start to really flesh out the the architecture of, of the Sun Exchange platform um, and that platform has just continued to evolve to, to where it is today. Now you had a token uh, at one point and I'm curious to know why you chose to abandon it. It's not abandoned. We are just way ahead of the curve on on what is possible with it, with a token. Um, I'll get into it in, in a in a later. But I mean, even the token itself went through a couple of iterations before we basically had to compromise on 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 one form of the Sunex token. Um, but I just want to just point out that the 
yeah, the core of Bitcoin is, is I'm sorry, the core of some exchange is the Bitcoin payment network. I mean, we are using Bitcoin as a universal payment rail. That's all Bitcoin was ever intended to be, a peer-to-peer online digital money. That's what it is. That's what it was invented for. And that's what we use it for. It just so happens that we do host wallets for our members so they can accumulate that Bitcoin in a wallet. Um, and they can, so we don't, people don't necessarily need to set up their own wallet. We host them a hot wallet where they can accumulate their earnings until such time that they want to withdraw it to their own wallet or redeploy that Bitcoin into buying more solar panels. So that is the absolute core of, of Sun Exchange. Now, the the aspect that that is is to be considered here is that when you buy a solar panel, even for your own house, right? If you want to buy solar panels for your house, that's a 25-year commitment because you're you've bought solar panels. You can't go back to the person that sold you the solar panels a couple of years later and say, you know, these this ten thousand dollars worth of solar panels, I, I want to sell a hundred dollars of them back to you. Your solar panel installer is not going to do that. You're locked in. And likewise, buying solar panels through Sun Exchange is that. You are literally buying solar panels online, which are being installed onto a roof elsewhere in the world. So you're basically locked in for 20 years when you buy solar panels through Sun Exchange. Um, the, the, the step beyond that, though, is to create a digital asset of each solar cell so that they... The digital asset represents the ownership of that solar panel um, or solar cell, and whoever holds that digital asset can has rights to the financial yield attached to that solar cell. Now, the the only issue with that is that then becomes a security token. And when we proposed this back in 2017, the the, the regulations were nowhere near ready on actually how that or where that should be being done. And also the technology behind, uh, or even the blockchain around which, um, how to have that kind of level of, of small value digital asset. Now, Ethereum was really at the time the only option, and the gas fees were still were at that point getting ludicrous. You know, looking at hundred dollars a transaction in some instances with Ethereum. Um, so it really basically realised that we are ahead of the curve. There's no way of doing that then and there. So we needed to find a, um, we wanted to still do something to create our own ecosystem token. So we created SunX token, um, which was um, a rewards program for our platform. So it allowed people to accumulate uh, SunX tokens. Um, it's basically like air miles and rewards uh, for the platform. Um, and that's kind of where we ended up going with that. Um, but the, the the ultimate aspiration is still to have a tradable digital asset behind a solar cell. And that's, what we are now, I'm looking at over over the next 12 to 18 months is actually nailing down how that how that can work. So that gives you an explanation of, of where where that fits into our our plan and and why we took certain directions as and when. Are you able to elaborate on on what you just referred to uh, your plans for over the next 12 to 18 months now? The, the security fits into there? Well, it's about finding the right jurisdiction um, to, to do it from. I understand that now there are now uh, a couple of jurisdictions in the world that now acknowledge and, and uh, allow for issuance of that. Um, there may be limitations as to who can own them and how they're sold, but that's basically what we're exploring. Um, and yeah, and so that's 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 my goal of the next 12 months is, is we now know that it is possible to have such a, a security token um, it's just how do we do that and how do they get converted and what changes would we need to make to where our, even, a, even the domicile 
of where the issuance is being done from. That's currently being explored um, and may not even be possible. Let's get that that's get that uh, you know, straight. It may not even be possible technically or even legally to do what we what 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 that that vision is is a tradable um, tradable solar cell with financial yield attached to it. it. May not even possible yet, but it's something I'd like that I definitely determined to to explore. So it seems like almost every couple of weeks, uh, getting emails about a new project that mm. uh, a new crowdfunding project. Mm. So I, I'm curious to know, how are you going after some of these new uh, crowd sale projects? Are, are they mostly approaching you or are you finding that the kind of the barrier is just awareness uh, of the Sun Exchange, and once once they find out about what you're offering, a lot mm. of these communities and businesses are uh, quick to to sign up. So, I mean, when I first started, we had to look for the projects. Um, you know, the first project that we did, Stellenbosch Waldorf School, I approached them because I I met one of the teachers and I explained to him what we're trying to do. He loved the idea and he introduced me to the the management of the school, who in turn introduced me to their landlords, who then. Um, which is a, a quite a progressive wine estate called Speer, um here in Cape Town. So they kind of gave me the blessing to do the first project, but that was a school and schools are very important to me to, to do as a first project because schools like of any organization, the types of organization are least likely to have money on hand to invest into a solar power plant. And even if they did, that money is better off being invested into education, you know, more, more educational materials, there'd be some pay increase for their staff whatever it is, new sports facilities. Um, and then you have like the behavioural impact of having kids being uh, exposed to solar power of their school. Um, and more to the point, Sun Exchange is open to everyone. So kids in that school literally own solar cells, powering their own education and are accumulating Bitcoin as a result. And I know for a fact there's kids that um, have grown up now for the last, since 2016, so over the last six years, they've been accumulating Bitcoin in a wallet whilst powering their own education. You can't tell me that anything, that's not pretty, pretty, pretty profound. Um, there's a lot going on there, especially in terms of like psychology of a kid accumulating income from powering their own education. So that means that just that, just that idea, that concept resonated with a lot of other, with other lot of headmasters and, and principals of schools. Um, and we got a lot of publicity. Um, we you know, got on local news, press and media, and so we started getting approached by schools um, wanting to go solar. Um, but we're not just about schools, but most of our projects are schools. Um, so that's really how we're now having schools come to us to go solar. Um, but, the, but there are other industry verticals that we want to also help get solar powered. So um, retirement homes, uh, you know, the, these are buildings which house people all year round. And are only going to become more and more populated over time as as populations age. Um, so it's very important for us to address energy security and lower energy costs to to those. Um, and and skills schools for skills. I mean, we're just talking about you know, ed, standard schools, normal education, but things like skills schools for skills. So these are the kind of facilities which train people for vocational um, training, like how to how to become a chef, how to become a welder. Um, and anything that requires that kind of manual skill, um, that the, those kind of schools are so sensitive to power outages 
And South Africa is becoming really, really hurt by power power cuts, like rolling power cuts, because the national grid is so so harmed. Um, and we can now um, put it, we are now putting in solar in storage systems, so battery systems into our solar plants to to, pr- to prevent power cuts from causing disruption to that kind of operation. So the, the project we've got open right now is one of those projects. Um, and it's such a fantastic product for that organization that they tell other organizations about it. So that's kind of where the word of mouth kicks in. Um, and um, one another great example of, of a kind of project where word of mouth gets out is um, in agriculture. So most, most farmers know their neighboring farms um, and we've just um, solar, in fact, very approaching the very final stages of completion of our first completely off-grid solar project. So this is where the solar plant is not connected to the national grid at all. It's complete standalone. And that's for a farm called Karoo Fresh, um, who grow um, broccoli and saffron um, and other high value um, vegetables and, and, and herbs. And um, that's a completely off-grid solar plant. And it's, it's replacing diesel generators. So that farmer no longer has to buy diesel, which is expensive, polluting and impractical to move to move diesel around. And now they've got a complete standalone stover and storage system. So that farmer um, is now telling his his farmer friends about it. And we got into agricultural press about it. Um, and that's really how, how our name gets out there. So as we go into each vertical, we've got to kind of establish a name for ourselves because we tap into the exact needs of that sector. Um, and then we will fi- address other sectors that also need need energy. So one one a key area or key key vertical I'd love to get into is is um, uh, eco tourism. Um, so there are lots of I mean uh, tourism is one of the most important sectors, especially in Africa. Uh, it brings so much um, so much um, foreign money in in so important for for stimulating economic growth. Um, and things like uh, lodges in um, remote areas, they're still running diesel generators so that people can have a luxurious holiday in remote locations. But that requires diesel energy, diesel fuel, usually being ported to sensitive and ecosystems. So getting standalone storage, solar and storage system into that is is absolutely vital. And that's an area that I want to uh, see more of those types of projects through Sun Exchange. I think one of the questions that was most uh, talked about following our podcast together was your discussion of uh, a clean energy transition in developing uh, regions of the world, uh, in particular, kind of the global south. And I'm hoping to, you know, for you to kind of expand on your your thoughts there. And in, in addition, get your kind of opinion on some of the projects that recently came to light in, in, in my world and um, specifically just reading about this Morocco UK uh, project where they're dropping cables from a Morocco solar farm all the way to the UK uh, to supply 3.6 gigawatts of solar energy from Morocco to the UK and mm. I look at that and I think you know that's you know arguably a, a reasonable thing to do for the UK and we applaud that uh, in the West and in the EU. Uh, but this, again, this clean energy transition, we cannot forget about everybody else who does not have that capability to pay for uh, such technology. Uh, it, it begs the question, 
What about the people of Morocco and their energy, their clean energy transition? Mm. How are you view, viewing this discussion in light of your expertise uh, mm. in solar energy as well as your your uh, interest in Bitcoin? Mm. It's, it, it's it's fascinating seeing that kind of project emerge um, from Morocco. I've been to Morocco. I went there as actually part of my geography field trip as part of my degree. Absolutely beautiful country, and I highly recommend anyone to go if you have the opportunity. But nevertheless. It's a good example of where that's like mega infrastructure projects um, and there are means and skills to do that. And you're dispatching energy via high voltage DC into the UK, um, which is already set up to accept energy of that in that volume because there's other interconnections around the UK. There's an interconnection into Norway for excess hydro. There's an interconnection to, um, to France for for, uh, for getting excess nuclear or, or dumping surplus wind power. I mean, there's basically a, a high voltage DC supergrid being developed around Europe, um, which is amazing because that's the one thing about renewables is if you've got a surplus, you need to be able to put it somewhere otherwise it's a waste. So interconnecting is, is very important. But that's in the, that is still in the global north. I mean, Morocco is, is in Africa, yes, but it's definitely not sub-Saharan Africa. It's by the very definition, North Africa. Um, and you know it, it's bordering Europe, so there there is that money on right on the doorstep to fund that kind of project. But when you go into, I think I'm going to say proper Africa, uh, but you know sub-Saharan Africa, that's when issues start to come up because the grid in most African sub-Saharan African countries doesn't even exist properly. It's not even there to do anything with. But that gives you with an opportunity to actually work from a clean slate. You're literally working from the ground up and you can use the latest technology um, to deliver energy um, without having to go through the, the traditional steps of building large thermal power station and build dis- transmission distribution lines to get that energy to the, to the to energy consumers in rural areas. That's how electricity systems grew and have developed traditionally. The only problem with that is that it takes an enormous amount of capital and it also takes an enormous amount of time. And as a result, you're also relying on thermal power stations, which the majority of which in the world come from, from fossil fuels. There's a couple of geothermal power stations in Kenya, but that's a, a very exceptional case. And um, so really that leaves uh, the most of most of Africa without energy access because it takes so much time to connect to so much money. Um, and that's a, that's a leads to energy poverty um, and also leads to people living in rural areas to give up um, their, their 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 livelihoods and their and their communities to move to cities where there is energy available, and that results in urban sprawl and this kind of slums or flavelas if you're in Latin America, um, or uh, uh, informal settlements and townships which surround most African cities because people are trying to get access to to modern day services. But that's not necessary when it comes to solar power now because you can deploy a solar power plant into a remote location very quickly, very easily, and deliver grid utility quality energy um, at the last mile at a price which is affordable to people living in those communities. So um, that is a really interesting uh, technological leap which it can be taken there. Um, and you can also kind of akin that to the, you know, the role of cryptocurrency in, in, in countries um, across Africa where people have um, who have not had access to financial services or digital banking now can all access um, cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency wallets um, without having to go through all those other steps of getting bank account and um, 
you know, getting a debit card and all those kind of things, those steps that we've gone through over 100, 100 years of financial service evolution, they can go straight to the latest technology of getting access to Bitcoin immediately um, when they've got data. And you can have data in a rural area because you've got energy systems from, from solar energy. Um, you know, Starlink is now an amazing uh, way for people to be able to access data remotely from anywhere in the world, for example. Um, so this this kind of um, this access to the latest technology or even open source technology, which I like to call it, I've, I do consider solar power to be open source energy, um, is is now the least expensive way for people to get to get energy. Um, so I do think that's a really uh, interesting thing to consider when you look at Africa uh, and other emerging markets that has yet to develop its energy systems can, can access the latest and greatest, um, which is very important because most regions of Africa are bearing the brunt of climate change faster and harder than, than most developed countries. Um, there are more sensitive areas, um, drought, it, uh, if you haven't got adequate water pumping and uh, facilities, then drought hurts. Um, you know, the if you look at the drought maps of across Africa, it's 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 scary. Um, but accessing solar energy means you can now start to bore, drill drill boreholes and access um, groundwater uh, without having to rely on rainfall. So, getting access to energy is absolutely important, and it will help countries cope with further impacts of of climate change. So I've invited a few of you uh, up as speakers. If you have questions, uh, feel free to, to hop up. Otherwise, for any of you in the audience, please uh, start submitting your, your questions for Abe. And uh, in the meantime, you're in the intersection here between solar energy, climate change, uh, fighting against climate change and all the forces that uh, behind that. And obviously, a life, or excuse me, a long duration of interest in Bitcoin and its uh, impacts. How are you talking to people, uh, both from the, the, the lay side as well as uh, professionally, regarding Bitcoin mining and its concerns for uh, energy consumption, its climate footprint? Mm -hmm. So, I first, I want to just touch on what what the traditional banking system and traditional money for me represents. Um, you know, the, the, the reality is that traditional banks, um, you know, especially banks like the Royal Bank of Scotland in the UK, they basically fund the exploration of fossil fuels and they are subsidised by the government. They give them enormous tax breaks, both at home and abroad, to go and, and identify, access, exploit fossil fuel resources. Um, that's how they make the majority of their money. HSBC in the UK funded the XL pipeline across across the United States, and that's a UK bank. So basically, for me, the traditional financial system and the fossil, traditional energy fossil fuel world are are basically in bed with each other. They are in, they are bedfellows, um, and which I think is quite quite interesting when you look at what what the um, the the kind of the ma the macroeconomics of those two sectors. Because the traditional finance system um, is based on this principle that you can just continue to print money freely as and when you want to create artificial economic stimulus, um, you could just print money, flood the flood the flood the U.S. market with new fresh dollars. I think it's like three trillion dollars now more in circulation, but more more dollars have been released in the last couple of years than has ever existed in history. I think that's a correct fact. Someone can please check, check that for me. 
um but the, it, but the but the principle is, is is the same um and so basically you've got this infinite source of money which causes money to lose value over time now when you look at the traditional energy sector which is um, sourcing fossil fuels that is a finite energy source and the more people use it the more scarce it becomes and the more expensive it's going to be so you now if you without looking at renewables and bitcoin if you stay in that world of fiat money and fossil fuels your money's going to become worth less over time and your energy's going to become more expensive so the there's only one direction that's facing and that's global energy poverty and climate change um so the the antidote to this as created by um satoshi was a deflationary currency that's scarce and becomes more valuable over time so the buying power the purchasing power of that crypto increases over time and it can be created on silicon chips it is created on silicon chips it's just a solid state money that's digital and doesn't need to have a physical form um which you know if you can even think about gold reserves like gold to dig gold out the ground takes enormous amounts of money of, of energy and money I did actually one of the first things I did in South Africa was do a feasibility study on how to solar power a gold mine. Um, and I looked at how much energy was actually used to create gold. And it's 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 just it's, it's enormous. Like it's it's beyond what the tradition the traditional finance system uses more energy than the Bitcoin network, put it that way. Um, and people don't take that into account when they're looking at what the alternative to Bitcoin is. Now the other kind of advantage of bitcoin is because it's one network it's one integrated system it's quite easy to improve the efficiency of it and um the the, the beauty of it is that the solar energy is becoming cheaper and cheaper because again it's a silicon silicon chip it's a it's a solid state energy source it's basically quantum physics in physical form um and it's getting cheaper and cheaper the more people use solar power the cheaper the energy becomes So now when you can kind of merge those two those two technologies so cryptocurrency mining with solar energy um the the, the currencies you're mining are becoming more and more valuable over time and the energy you're you're getting it from is becoming cheaper and cheaper over time which is the direct opposite of the system it's replacing which is energy that's becoming more and more expensive and money becoming worth less and less so that that is this tipping point and it's all based on silicon that's that's literally a silicon powered economy then you've got silicon chips financing powering silicon chips um and that is this kind of this transition which i can see is taking place um and the the the, the beauty of it also is if you're if you're mining of of crypto is from a renewable powered source it's irrelevant of how much energy it takes because there's no environmental impact of continuing to run that energy system um beyond the manufacturing of the solar panels themselves which in itself is becoming less and less environmentally um harmful as we're getting better at using less materials to make solar panels and recycle solar panels and make solar panels from renewable energy so this whole system now becomes um clean and self-reinforcing and self-sustainable which is ultimately all we're trying to achieve here on this planet is to become self-sustainable so we're not going to kill ourselves from destroying the planet and actually just create a system that can create abundance and can allow us to live healthy long uh, rich lives and that's only possible when our money has value and when we're not reliant on a financial system which is causing uh, that that addiction to 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 energy addiction, addiction to fossil fuels so 
that for me is this philosophical and technological shift, which for me is is what this is all about: transitioning to decentralized energy, decentralized money um, is the solution away from reliant on a on a on a broken system. How do we aid that transition? Again, this gets back to my previous question to the, the global south, to smaller communities in sub. Uh, Saharan Africa, do they bring models like yours or do you see uh, smaller uh, solar projects with paired with batteries and Bitcoin mining? How do you see that transition playing out? So, I mean, um, Bitcoin mining is um, a really great uh, dump load for surplus energy. Um, so when you have a, an off-grid solar power plant that's uh, basically a solar, uh, some solar panels and a battery pack, um, and that system has been designed to do to deliver a certain amount of energy. Now, if if your batteries are full and there's no further load on the, you know, there's no further drain on the battery, and your solar plant can still produce electricity, then right now, without a dump load, i.e., somewhere to put that surplus, you've lost that energy. Your solar plant just has its throttles down. The inverter regulates the power output, and you've basically lost that energy. So, equipping a, a, a microgrid with um, Bitcoin mining hardware is such a beautifully elegant solution. And you can speak to anyone, any developer of a, of a mini grid or a micro grid, especially for rural electrification, having an anchor tenant, having an energy consumer that is willing that will pay their bill is the biggest challenge. Most of these, these guys rely on telecoms operators um, with a mobile mast, that's their anchor tenant. Um, but mobile masts in these areas don't actually use that much electricity. Um, so to be able to, to put a, a Bitcoin mining rig in a rural remote location um, that will just absorb surplus energy and convert it into money on the spot, that's amazing. And th- it's something which is going to start to materialize. I've been speaking to lots of mini-grid developers and talking about how this can be implemented. And it's just a matter of time before it becomes standard, fitting mini-grids with, with uh, Bitcoin mining hardware. Um, it's certainly something which we're looking to do, and uh, uh, I'd love to see happen and, and equipped most of our solar plants is is Bitcoin mining hardware. Um, it, for me, it just makes it makes sense. Um, it just uh, it's just a matter of finding the right technology that's reliable uh, and the right hardware that's reliable and requires the least amount of maintenance. And I think that's ultimately the the, the challenge. There it ultimately comes down to how do you maintain the systems? How do you make sure there's no equipment failures? Um, I guess that just comes also down to skills training and making sure that people who are in remote areas are adequately trained and giving them skills which will serve them well as we go into further into the 21st century. That was a beautiful sentiment, Abe. Thank you. I want to encourage people to ask questions. You can hit the little bubble uh, in the bottom right corner of the app or raise your hand uh, and you can be a speaker if you have any questions. Abe, where is the Sun Exchange in five, ten years from now? Well, I mean, I mean five, five years ago, Sun Exchange had basically just done its first solar project, 15 kilowatts. Um, and five years on, six years on, we've done uh, 63 solar plants with 10 megawatts. Um, so that's that's quite a, it's quite a step. I mean, that's basically gone from 15 kilowatts to uh, 1,000 kilowatts? No, 10,000 kilowatts. What is that? 100,000 kilowatts. Sorry, I'm trying to do mental thing from my head. 100,000 kilowatts um, in in the space of five years. So, if on that rate of growth, I'd love to. I'd love to be hitting a gigawatt of of solar installations. 
um, in, the, in the next five years. Um, a gigawatt would be about the power output of a pretty major sized nuclear power station. Um, but when you put that into the African context, I mean, some African countries' energy grids in total, um, we have already surpassed in terms of energy production. Um, so it's it's what seems like a small amount of energy in the, in a from a, like a, a US perspective is actually a a, a major overhaul or, or huge change to the the makeup of the uh, of the of, of, of an African nation's energy production. So I'd love to be able to see actually transition transform whole nations into into solar power hubs um, throughout the African continent and further further abroad. So I'd love to see us doing projects in Latin America and Southeast Asia. I know that the problems and challenges of access to finance and and, and energy uh, energy issues, energy access issues, um, are not just an African problem. It's also a Latin American issue. It's a, it's an issue facing thousands of islands in Indonesia and Philippines. They're running diesel generators and in pristine ecosystems, at huge cost, um, and that's uh, that's the kind of regions where we can also bring out bring our solution. Sun Exchange is always intended to be. The global platform for for businesses and organisations from all walks of life to to be able to access energy, um, and likewise just continue to grow our community. You know, one thing that we we have noticed and identified is that yes, there are millions of individuals individuals around the world that want to be doing this and earning from from generating power to offset their their carbon footprint or to have an extra income, but where we're really now seeing is for businesses and corporations to to step up and put their money where their mouth is and to and to put serious money into helping um, other businesses and and countries transition to clean energy um, so we're starting to see businesses now sign up to sun exchange um, who can put in much larger sums of money um, than an individual could um, and because they're a corporation, they can actually claim back, especially if in, in South Africa, at least, you can claim back um, that purchase price of buying solar panels as, a, as an accelerated depreciation allowance, allowing them to claim back the purchase against the tax bill, whilst then still retaining the income from the solar panel they just bought. Uh, because you know, corporations have to pay tax, um, and that's a, a tax allowance available to them. So uh, that's a, a, something that which we're very keen is to introduce what we are doing to businesses that want to start offsetting their, their, their or at least reducing the, um, the, glo the global CO2 emissions, whilst also enabling schools and retirement homes to, to re reduce their energy costs. And it makes great financial sense for them. Um, we um, love to start speaking to organisations about how they can offer it to their employees as some form of um, like retirement alternative, um, yeah, retirement fund alternative, so people can buying solar cells and put off their employees. That's something which I'd love to see how we can get a structure in, uh, to set up for that. Um, yeah, so I mean that, that's what I, I, that's where the ways we can see us as, as moving. Um, I also do think that the like the infrastructure that we've built and the architecture of our platform can be used in other verticals um, with the right um, sort of regu in the right regulatory environment. So if we can if we can nail down the 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 be able to issue digital tokens, digital assets, um, we would be able to move into other uh, other verticals. So we could start to you know, create a, a fractionalized vertical farm, for example, would be a, a, a use case for for that. And um, that's something that is in in the far distant future, but perfectly within the real reams of, of possibility. Um, I, I just I thought of something which I didn't um, touch on there, which is um, around um, around around Bitcoin mining. Um, and 
the, you know, the fact that most Bitcoin mining around the world is, as far as I can tell now, uh, getting to become more renewable energy powered. Um, and and I've already touched on this, you know, the cost of, of renewables is now, solar and wind is now the cheapest form of energy for most people, most places on Earth. So it's kind of inevitable that, that Bitcoin mining will become renewable energy powered. Um, but even so, one thing that people t- fail to take into account is that the majority of Bitcoin that has ever been mined was done on the CPUs back in the very early days. So that the value of all Bitcoin is the same. Now, the purchasing power of Bitcoin today can buy you 30 kilowatts of solar panels with one Bitcoin. And yes, mining one Bitcoin today uses a lot of energy. You know, we're talking you know, a house with energy usage for 70 years. But 30 kilowatts of solar panels is going to produce way more than the energy that that house is going to be going to use. Um, so I think my point is, is that when you put Bitcoin to work and you invest a small amount of Bitcoin into solar power, yeah, that's a that's actually a carbon sink because you're actually off. You're going to cre- reduce more carbon from buying those solar panels than it, ever, it took to create that Bitcoin in the first place. Um, I'm, we're starting to draft a white paper at the moment. We've done the and started to crunch the numbers on it, and it's looking like there's pretty it may compelling argument that if Bitcoin miners were just to dedicate a small percentage of of Bitcoin that's mined, you are literally carbon neutralizing the whole network. Um, and I believe there are some organizations um, in, in that are set up to try and establish a, a kind of accreditation system. I believe there's an organization called the Bitcoin Clean Energy Initiative, um, which is there to uh, enable or basically to encourage Bitcoin miners to to to, to do such thing. Um, one of the head um, ex product directors at Google is actually behind one such organization. So there is there is a movement, there is a realization that Bitcoin is doesn't necessarily need to be this dirty industry. Actually, it can be used to clean up and stabilize um, grids, um, help deploy mini grids, and also become self sustainable and and uh, and re- and cleaning cleaning in its own its energy history and reducing carbon emissions globally in the long term. Thank you. Uh, looks like Troy joined us. I think you wanted to dovetail off of that comment that you made Abe Troy did you have some thoughts yeah I'm just uh I'm intrigued by the math that you suggested and I want to hear more about Mm. um you know that accounting because uh I mean I guess I have a similar scheme and uh yeah my accounting scheme is basically that holders of bitcoin can be carbon neutral if they do the same percentage of mining as they hold of Bitcoin. So if you hold X percent of Bitcoin, do X percent of all mining. And I'm I'm just curious, I can't figure out exactly how your scheme works uh, for for mining. Just wonder if you could run through it real quickly. Yeah, I mean, don't forget how how, the benefit of everyone on the the call that's maybe not looking at this in in detail, just remind everyone how, how Bitcoin mining works. So you've got these computers around the world, they're all hashing away basically processing or comparing numbers and one of those um, miners will be rewarded with currently i think it's 6.25 bitcoin every 10 minutes um so every 10 minutes there's just over a hundred thousand dollars worth of bitcoin issued to to one of the miners in the network but all of those miners are having to run uh, computational uh, hardware in order to try and compete for that bitcoin and all of those computers are, are using energy 
And that energy footprint is is huge. Um, but it's only in the last couple of years where that energy footprint is of any real major significance. Um, but every transaction that's done on the Bitcoin blockchain in that 10-minute period um, basically was used a fraction of that energy that was used. So every time you send and receive a Bitcoin, there is an energy footprint to that because it's it's basically the number of transactions that occurred in that 10 minutes divided by the amount of energy that was consumed by the network in that 10-minute period. Um, the, the, the All Bitcoins in circulation since day one have the same value. And the majority of Bitcoins that were mined were mined with, with CPUs and um, a CPUs used next to almost next to zero energy. So what I'm suggesting is that if you were to take a small amount of Bitcoin now and invest into solar, you, the amount of, of carbon reduction you're going to get from from buying solar panels that are deployed into a place like South Africa where you're eliminating really dirty coal energy. Like South Africa's got one of the, the filthiest energy mixes of the world. They've got the lowest grade coal because all the good stuff is sold to the Chinese. Um, so the, the the fact is that South Africa's energy mix is filthy and putting solar energy into South Africa, you are literally offsetting a huge, one over one kilogram of CO2 every kilowatt hour produced. Um, and that's with a, a, a solar panel that was funded using cryptocurrency, um, the value of which is entirely artificial, as in we have created the value of Bitcoin in our minds, and there's no limits to what that value could be. Um, but all Bitcoin have the same value, and that's really kind of what I'm what I'm trying to say. And we have, yeah, and we've crunched the numbers and we've looked at the number of tr- Bitcoin transactions that have occurred, you know, throughout throughout network, and the, and the energy footprint of the Bitcoin network in total. And, and we've we've crunched the numbers and we think that it's more like 300 times carbon reduction for for, for um, because it's possible by spending Bitcoin on 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 solar and sun exchange. So I think I've got it now. So your your thought is that you know because Bitcoin is fungible, the carbon footprint of a Bitcoin is the same, and it's the average carbon footprint of all Bitcoin yeah. because of fungibility. And then when you look at investing in solar, it, you can see how you can offset that average pretty easily because the average is actually very low given that it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the right. intensive, in, intensive production has only happened at the, at the tail end of Bitcoin. That's right. Exactly. History. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, exactly. And then the, the value of that Bitcoin is so vastly hard, much higher than it once was as well. Right. Um, that, that you could, the amount of work that can be done from that value of Bitcoin uh, that's the thing to then look at is actually what 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 work could be done from a solar panel or thirty kilowatts of solar panels funded with one bitcoin. But that bitcoin still exists, mind. So that circulation right. of money and the velocity of money um, actually improve, increases the the value of bitcoin. The more bitcoin circulates, uh, the, uh, the the better for everyone. Right. I I have a slightly different method of accounting. I won't bring it up here, but I would love to talk to you about it uh, at at some okay. point. Um, but I cool. think it'll support a very, very similar conclusion. But it's uh, it's, it's also a, a non-trivially different method of of accounting. But yeah, okay, it well, support the same conclusion. Well, well, please DM me, 
and will, um, let's 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 connect and circle back offline um well online um and um i'll share with you the spreadsheet that our analysts analysts put together and i'd love you to to rip it apart poke some holes in it and uh, <laughs> see if you can see if you can see if you can disprove what we've shown because that's ultimately how science works yeah yeah thank you thank you excellent thank you troy brian are you there i am i here are yes, here. you are here, Brian. Okay. We hope you're here. I, I had you to hop in the boy. car. I had to hop in the car, so I'm on my headset right now. So I wasn't never sure if that thing works for me or not. Hey, first of all, I want to say I do encourage you to connect with Troy. He has motivated me to look into a couple of other projects that are mining with hydro. Um, mm. And his method accounting of accounting is fascinating. And it's really something I wish that we would hear more about in the Bitcoin space. I think those are important conversations just mm. generally, but especially important for people who have environmental concerns like I think a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I, I really am curious. I, I know that there are several um, hydro opportunities. I, you know, I, Central African Republic is the place that's talked a lot about trying to build on it. Do you have plans to expand outside of um, South Africa? I apologize. I did get off for a little mm. while, so you maybe answered this and I missed it. But. Mm. Well, the biggest project we've done today is in Zimbabwe, and we are, we've got plenty of projects in the pipeline further, further north in other African nations. Um, I can't really divulge which ones they are because none of them are, are absolutely firmed up, but we do have absolute aspirations to be putting solar projects across the whole of the African continent as soon as you possibly can. Um, we just got to make sure that we've absolutely nailed our way of working and, and the whole model down in South Africa. Um, one thing I will point out is that just to kind of um, put into perspective how far more advanced the South African economy is compared to other African nations, South Africa still produces about 70% of sub-Saharan Africa's energy. And there's something like four, well over four to 40 countries in sub-Saharan Africa um, and over 70% of the energy across all of those countries is produced in South Africa. So if we can solve South Africa's energy problem, you've made a, a, a good head start on, on addressing the South Africa's energy needs. Um, and I have a, a strong um, aversion to large-scale hydro projects, especially in, in, in Africa. Um, as we've seen in, on the River Nile, um, you can basically disrupt whole nations' uh, farming and irrigation practices by damming uh, damming the rivers higher upstream. Um, it can cause huge uh, civil issues, um, it can cause famine, a uh, lot of geo geopolitical, geopolitical risk as a result. Um, so I'm, I'm not an advocate at all of large-scale hydro. I think it's dangerous. Um, if anyone's seen the, the, the original Superman movies, you know, you can, you can explode a dam and it's going to cause issues. Um, um, and that's not to mention you know, the fish migrating patterns and you know, fish swim up river to, to, to have babies. And you, blam, you dam that river, you're basically stopping whole, whole fish uh, um, ecosystems from evolving and developing, which is a huge source of protein for, for millions, if not billions of people. So I'm, I'm against large-scale hydro, if I've made that clear. <laughs> No, actually, I, I think that really is a good point. Uh, I know an issue in a lot of 
countries right now is that they actually already have the hydro capacity. Um, they just don't have any use for the power right now. So, mm. you know, Bitcoin miners could help fund other things. It happens mm. many, many years ago. I lived just downstream from uh, a hydro dam um, on the uh, Colinton River in Sierra Leone in West Africa. Mm. Um, they they ran electricity to six houses and then ran out of money and those six houses didn't pay enough to continue the maintenance on it and it mm. operated for about two years. But everything was still there for it to work. They just didn't have a customer. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, I but mm. I, I generally agree with your sentiment that building new dams is is a mistake. I think mm. so. Yeah, there it, are many it, that exist. So yeah, it's it's interesting because it's it's kind of like a chicken egg scenario. Do you build the energy capacity and then hope people use enough energy, or do you have demand for energy and then build the catch up by building energy generation capacity? And that's the problem that mini grid developers face which is where Bitcoin mining hardware comes in because you build a 100 kilowatt mini grid and there's only one kilowatt of energy demand on the grid from the consumer to start with before they start requiring energy uh, requiring energy um, when they start to you know, have needs to power laptops, mobile phones, etc. In the meantime, what do you do? I mean, hardware is a perfect solution, the interim solution as an energy load in a mini grid uh, to, to, uh, to, to make the economics of such a project work. I'm, I'm actually uh, in line right now, waiting thing for another 40-some percent of people to fund your Bayesville School of Skills uh, okay. project. Um, so I'm, I'm eager to uh, let other people know that um, I, I, my, my experience, again, in West Africa was we actually went around and built vocational high schools um, in parts of West Africa. And one of the biggest problems that we, and this is 30 years ago, but one of the biggest problems that we had at the time is that we couldn't teach any skill that required power because the power was so unreliable. Mm. You, you know, is, so the, yeah. And, and most, most skills these days are, are going to require some form of electronics. Even, if, uh, even if, you're, if, you, if, if you're in medicine, you still need access to computer systems and, and tools and machinery. Yeah, so you know your idea of microgrids, you know, setting up you know a bunch of solar panels in different places, hopefully funding them with small Bitcoin installations along the way. Uh, you know, I see that as the you know the the march of advancement across all of Sub-Saharan Africa, one village at a time, and I, it's inspiring to me. I'm just excited to hear somebody doing it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Mark, and thank, thank you, you, Abe. Okay, no, thank you. Thanks for being involved. And um, yeah, please, please keep spreading the good word about what we're what we're doing. That's a very worthwhile project, the base baseball school 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 of skills. And I really hope that uh, people can get involved and, and get this project funded. Thanks again. Well, um, we will leave it at that then. If mm. um, I can away. see one, so I can I can see there's someone called Blueberries in the group who's um, asked a question, which is how much coal does Europe use when compared to South Africa? Um, well, I can tell you that the, the grid um, generation capacity in South Africa is about 45 gigawatts of coal generation capacity. Um, and I can know in the UK, the last coal power station was turned off a few years ago. And there's no more coal power being used in, in the UK. And only due to the issues in the Ukraine and getting gas have they started to switch back on coal power stations in Germany? Um, 
but of course, the German grid in the summertime is can be at sometimes 100% solar powered. Uh, so 100% solar powered. Let that, let that sink in for a moment. So some some days in Germany is 100% solar energy powered. Um, so it's um, and the, the fact you could deploy solar energy very very quickly kind of means there's almost no need to start recommissioning and um, coal power stations in in Europe when you can just fill in any gaps with with solar. Um, and I, I do expect that um, that the, the the rate of installation of solar in South Africa that as the coal power stations are decommissioned in South Africa, that it'll actually be um, you would be no point in replacing them because solar energy is going to be there filling in the gap. Fantastic. Um, Piccolo, if you have a quick question, probably squeeze you in. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I just wanted to add real quick to what Byron and Evan Krambich was talking about in terms of hydro, because I I guess the way you guys are talking about it is uh, Evan Krambich is, is distributed solar, right? Which is cool. And then you have the now, which has river current flow. I mean, one thing maybe is, you know, micro hydro for water current turbines that fit mm. in the river and has sort of cages around it to prevent, you know, uh, nettings to prevent sort of, you know, uh, fish and, and livestock from getting in there, you know, stuff like that. And maybe that complements yeah. like your micro sort of solar projects along like, the yeah, river, you know the- what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. The only issue with that is that um, you'd have to be very lucky to be living next to a river. Um, and the only way of, of getting energy from a river to the load is by building power lines. And then you're back to this kind of centralized energy generation challenge of how do you get energy from where it's being produced to where it's needed. And that's the beauty of solar is that you could put it anywhere. You don't need cables to connect it to the remote locations because you could just put the solar panels in that remote location. Um, and as I said, mentioned earlier in the call, like Africa is suffering from major droughts in a lot of locations, which means that the rivers that you're powering don't even be guaranteed to be to be running uh, in, in the in, in the future. I mean, there's there's river beds now exposed in a lot of places in China and in Europe because rivers have simply stopped flowing because of extreme heat waves and droughts as a result of of, of climate change, and that's only become more pronounced and. Um, and exaggerated as we go into the future. So hydro is a risk. Yeah, You, you can't be yeah, guaranteed without, the water's there. Without constant uh, flow, you're right. I can see that. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. Cool, guys. Well, at least there's no further questions. Um, I just want to say thank you very much all for, for, for listening in and, um, and, and, uh, and, and joining in the conversation. Um, I really encourage you all to, to sign up to Sun Exchange if you've not done so already. And please, um, if you want to follow my rantings and ravings on, on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. Um, yeah, I, I try to um, keep people up to date with the things that I think are interesting. Um, and um, yeah, thanks thanks for, for tuning in. And thank you very much for having me uh, speak. Absolutely, Abe. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, your input was greatly appreciated. And again, Everybody visit uh, the sunexchange.com. Very fascinating and uh, doing great work. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Cool. No problem at all. Hope to speak to you again one day soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Progressive Bitcoiner. If you enjoyed the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. And don't forget, we have a website, theprogressivebitcoiner.com, where we have a lot of great content on Bitcoin and progressive issues. Thanks again for tuning in.